On the air everywhere, this is New England Broadcasting. Sweet Tuesday morning came on your smile. Tuesday. Good afternoon, good evening, good night. It's the Ron Van Dam Show. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Hold on tight, things can get a bit weird, if you like that sort of thing. Hey, welcome to the program. It is indeed the Ron Van Dam Show. Guess which one I am? No. No. Never mind. It is indeed Tuesday, the calendar tells me so. Coming to the end of January. Holy crap, it's going quickly, huh? Yeah. You close your eyes and you open them up again and then there you go. You Then you've closed your eyes and opened them up again. Which I think is called blinking. Am I right? <laughs> no, it's not a scientific medical show. I know it sounds like that, but it's not. It's just me. I'm over here. Hey, my eyes are up here. What are you staring at? All right, that's enough. That's enough. We get it, Ron. You have a theme song. We get it. Okay. Theme song written and performed and uh, and given to us by Jason Shaw. He writes uh, the opening, the closing theme, and performs it, and has many of the incidental music, incidentally, in the show. Jason Shaw, ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Jason. Oh, my God. Thank you, Jason. And then I'd also like to uh, point out the uh, dulcet tones of John Shanahan, our announcer, Comedy writer extraordinary, does many of our uh, comedy commercials and many bits. He's a fun, a fun, a man. John Shanahan, Google him. He's got some incredible stuff going on. And then there's a lovely and talented Nicole Reed. Oh, I've never heard of her. Well, she's that British voice that you hear at the beginning of the program, although she's not really British, to be honest with you. That's pretty cool, huh? She books many of the national acts and the national interviews that we do here on this program. And those are just some of the people that make me look good each and every day. Not cosmetically, but as far as the entire show is concerned, the production is uh, concerned. Okay, fine. And then there's you. Oh, I forgot about you. <laughs> I left you in the car with the windows closed. That's not good. That's not good, is it? It's uh, coming to the end of January. The calendar tells me so. I almost said the calendar. Hey, kids, quick uh, quick question for you. If you're a Generation P or W or one of those people, 
What's a colander? Does anybody know what a colander is? Raise your hand if you know what a colander is. Look, not too many people know. Um, colander is that, that, that metal bowl with holes in it. You drain your spaghetti and stuff in that thing. That's called a colander. Sometimes it's plastic. I don't know. Those are the cheap versions. Did you know that? If you didn't know what a colander was, I've got no use for you whatsoever. I think it's an age gap thing. Although younger people make spaghetti too. So I don't really understand how this works. <laughs> One of the first gifts that I got when I was younger, I got my first apartment when I was, uh, I would say I was about 19 years old, and I had my own first apartment. And uh, it was in New York City in a uh, little uh, town called Elmhurst, which is right next to Jackson Heights in Queens, New York. Anybody familiar with the Queens? Not Latifah. Queens, New York. Oh, my God. Anyway, um, it was a studio apartment. It was my first studio. Um which means it was one room. On one side of the room was a bed. Another side was uh, a couch and a little living room set up. And then there was a little dining room table. And around the corner, there was an alcove, and that was the kitchen. And then there was a separate room that was a bathroom and a separate little closet. Um, I believe the square footage was two. Very, very, very small. It was so small that I had to go outside to change my mind. That's an old joke. I hope you enjoyed it. Anyway, I had my first studio apartment. I remember a friend of mine uh, gave me uh, my first uh, gift. It was a housewarming gift. You would think for a housewarming gift it should be a heater, but it wasn't. Uh, this lovely young lady, uh, as a housewarming gift, uh, came over, said hello, sat down on my couch, which was in the same room as everything else. And she uh, brought me a gift, and I and it was wrapped, and it was a, a good-sized box, and I opened it up, and inside was something that I didn't know what it was. Because I was so young, I was, I was not even, I don't think it was 20 yet. And I opened it up, and, and I said, well, thank you very much. I just have one question for you. And she said, what is that? And I said, what is it? What is it? She said, oh, it's a salad spinner. I've, I had never spun my salad before. Sounds like a euphemism, doesn't it? Hey, Ron, you want to go upstairs and spin your salad? Well, yeah. I don't know what it means, but yeah. It sounds good, yeah. Apparently, you take uh, you got to wash the lettuce because there could be all kinds of shit in there. You know, you don't know who's picked that lettuce. You don't know. You don't know. Could be anybody. Possibly somebody doesn't even speak English, so you got to wash that lettuce. Ooh, Ron, careful, careful. So you wash the lettuce, and then it's all wet. Nobody likes wet lettuce. Raise your hand if you like wet lettuce. No, no. I'm serious. No, that's not a euphemism. I'm, I really mean it. Do you like wet lettuce? Hey, hey, my lettuce is wet. Well, let's go upstairs. I don't know. Does everybody just have sex upstairs? Is that what that's about? So anyway, uh, so you take this, uh, the lettuce and you put it in this, uh, this bowl and there's a handle on the top and you spin the handle and as you're spinning it, you go, wee, wee, because it seems like you should. And it spins the salad inside that little bowl. It, it dries it. It's like a, 
Oh, it's like a, a clothes dryer for lettuce. I guess you could put your lettuce in the clothes dryer. I think that's disgusting, but same thing. Although that would heat up the lettuce, and you don't want it to heat it up. This air dries your lettuce. Is this subject matter fascinating to you in any way whatsoever? It is? Wow. Okay, sure. <laughs> Whatever. So the lettuce is dry now because I spun it in that thing. I turned that crank about 10 times. And then you take the lettuce out and you eat it. And I said to her, my God, I don't know how I lived without a salad spinner. Oh, wait. Yes, I do know now. I wash the lettuce and I would just dry it off a little bit and then eat it. So I don't know why you have to buy me something to spin my lettuce. It was one of the few things on the planet that I didn't believe I would ever have to spin. There aren't a lot of things that I want to spin, but I guess it's my clothes and my lettuce. Other than that, oh, and also, um, I would have to spin like something that I said that was wrong. I'd have to spin that to make it sound like it was right. You know, like Trump does. <clears throat> Salad spinner. So that was my gift. Uh, and the lady, uh, to be honest with you, because I'm going to be honest with you, because I was so young, um, we did go upstairs, um, although that was the upstairs apartment. I didn't have a key to it. No, we, we, we had, um, we had uh, what's the word for it? Sex, that's what we had. So the, uh, the salad spinner turned out to be, yeah, just that. <laughs> she spun my lettuce all night. Let's stop it. Just stop it. This is not what children want to hear. By the way, I'm not saying that this isn't a show for children, and I'm certainly not saying that it is. I'm just not saying. You be the judge. I agree with you. No, it's not. Children, they're incredible, aren't they? I was one once, I think. I don't remember being a child. Um, childhood is such a small part of your entire life, should you be lucky to live long enough. Childhood is like a slither of your life, right? It's like a percentage-wise, it's like less than a quarter of your life. Uh, that's not good. That's not good. So I don't, so what are you supposed to do during your childhood? Are you supposed to learn things or are you supposed to play? Or is it a balance of the two? Playing is so different when you're a child than when you're an adult, right? Yeah. When you're a child and someone says, hey, you want to go out and play? You, you throw a ball around or something like that, or you run, you run around, you run around, or you make believe. There's a lot of make believe when you're a child. There's a lot of make believe. Then you get a little bit older and make believe there's, there's something wrong with you. Here, here's my, here's my friend, Johnny. There's nobody there, Ron. I'm making believe. I, I have a doctor I want you to talk to. When you're a child, oh, that's adorable. Oh, look at his little, look at his little makeup friend. That's adorable. No, it's not. At a point, it's not. It's psychotic. Yeah, when, you, when you're younger and a child, you know, want to go out and play, that's what that means. When you're older and someone says to you, hey, you want to go out and play? You're going to a strip club. There's no two ways about it. We are an odd culture. Strip clubs are odd, aren't they? Yeah. They are. 
any guy that's going to get married, his friends want to take him to a strip club. Yeah, that solidifies the relationship with your fiancé. I love you. I'm going to marry you. But before I do, I need somebody else's tits in my face. It's an odd thing. And, and the woman usually says, oh, sure, yeah, oh, good, yeah. I'm marrying a child is what I'm doing. Uh, yeah. And I guess the, the, uh, the alternative is that uh, for the bachelorette party, uh, the, the, the woman goes out with her friends and they go to uh, one of those Chippendale things which I thought was a cartoon uh, with uh, a squirrel, but not. Uh, apparently, um, women like to see men strip in front of them as well. I don't think men strip all the way down. I've not been to a, a male uh, dance thing. I've, I, I would have no reason, first of all, and say, I mean, I, I, I personally don't. Um, but I don't know what happens in there, you see. But I don't think I don't think it's as extreme as what would probably happen at a, at a <laughs> you know, as I'm talking about this, two things come into my head. One, how did I get into this subject matter? And two, what am I doing in this subject matter? A lot of questions involved here. I really, really should just uh, shut up. Shut up. Yeah. All right, ladies, go on. Shut up! All right, I got it. Now I got them both. Yeah, childhood is very, very interesting. You spend our entire childhood being told what not to do. Not what to do, what not to do. Don't run with scissors. Don't believe everything that Johnny tells you. Don't stay up all night. Don't eat that. Don't touch that. Don't do that. Don't you close the door? Uh, they, yeah, don't, no, don't do that. Don't, don't, you be careful and don't do that. And you can go, but don't do that. Don't do drugs. Don't drink. Don't drive. Just don't, don't do anything. Just sit there and shut up. We're back to this again. Shut up! Um... Yeah, you spend your entire childhood uh, tell, being told, like, don't do that. and don't, don't, don't do that. But if you do that, then don't do that. Then you become an adult, and then it's the opposite. Then people tell you what to do. Ron, you're an adult now. Uh, you, must, uh, you, you must be responsible. You must get a job. You must be like this. You must be like him. You must be like her. You must listen to your boss. You must do all these things. You must do this. You must get a driver's license. You must pay your bills. Now, all of a sudden, people are telling me what, what, what to do. And when you're a child, they tell you what not to do. And that's the difference between being a adult and being a child. Even the terms that we use are very self-explanatory. Uh, that's just a kid. They're just being kids. They're just being children. When you're an adult, uh, I am a man. I am a man. I am 
my own woman. I'm not somebody else's woman. I'm my own woman. Although young adults are still trying to find themselves, have you noticed that? They have no GPS systems. When you're a child, you don't give a shit about anything. Everybody's taking care of you. You got no bills to pay. You got nothing to do. You just go out and play, have a good time. Just don't do this and don't do that and don't do this. Uh, and then you become an adult, and then all of a sudden you, you just question yourself. I, I I don't know who I am. I don't know what I want to do. I don't know where I want to be. I don't know who I want. I don't know. I don't know. I'm trying to find myself. I'm trying to find who I am. Oh, then look under the couch cushions. Look under the couch cushions. You'll find yourself there. Yeah, that's where everything is in the couch cushions. Every once in a while, look in there. If you got some, need some spare change, a little short of money, can't, it's in the couch cushions. A lot of people find Jesus there. But young people, they, they have to find themselves. They have to, they have to discover who they are. And well, I don't know. What'd you do for the first 20 years? Now you got to discover who you are? What is that? And then you get older, and you know exactly who you are, and you're not putting up with that shit anymore. It's an interesting, uh, an interesting chain of events, one might say, or one might not say that. And that's our lifespan, my friend. That's about it. Yeah. Uh, to make life very simple, it's uh, don't do that. Here's a salad spinner. Do this. Now I don't give a shit. There, there's your lifespan. I'm in the I don't give a shit area, and it's glorious. It is glorious. That's the payoff to get into that section of life where I just don't care anymore. Oh, it's 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 so it is so freeing. And some of you are saying, well, Ron, you still have to struggle even when you're, you're you know, even when you become a senior and you get older, you still have to struggle. Oh, I know, I know. There's always, yeah, struggling goes on forever. I, I realize that. But even when you're struggling, I'm struggling, I don't even give a shit. It's, it's wonderful. It's a wonderful feeling. There was a Seinfeld episode that uh, kind of uh, pronounced to me the value of money. And uh, it was when you, if you dip into, uh, you're wearing a jacket or something or a coat and you dip into your pocket and you find like a $20 bill or even a dollar bill or something like that, all of a sudden it puts a smile on your face. Oh, I found money in my pocket that I didn't even know I had. That's a wonderful feeling. Uh, I don't know why that's so glorious, but for a short period of time, like maybe five minutes, you just feel wonderful about life. It's, <laughs> you know why? Because money does matter. It does. I've talked about this before. We we went on those scratch tickets at the convenience store. And by the way, convenience stores, not all that convenient, to be honest with you. No more convenient than any other store. So I don't know what the big deal is about those places. Anyway, people, uh, you know, well, I'll tell you what's inconvenient about it. People are standing in line buying scratch tickets, and you just want to get a donut. And now you're waiting in line for 10 minutes because some idiot spends like 15 minutes at the counter, uh, you know, scratching tickets and saying, oh, I won. Give me another scratch. Oh, no, give me another scratch. But uh, so you do a scratch ticket or a lottery ticket, and you win, you win 10 bucks. You win 20 bucks. <gasps> the day is glorious. Life is beautiful. Well, it doesn't take much, does it? 
doesn't take much to put a smile on your face. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I have a guest uh, coming up momentarily, and then we shall uh, engage upon that guest. But before we do that, well, we have this, ooh, let's say, odd little word for you. We don't get to choose our family names. We're born into them, and some of them are, quite frankly, a little embarrassing. For many, a burden that follows them through life. If you've got an embarrassing last name, you may have thought about having it legally changed, but perhaps you've thought it might be complicated and expensive. Well, I'm here to tell you that having your last name legally changed is simple and cost-effective and will take that lifelong burden away in just a few easy steps. Call me today, Attorney Jim Cockwaffle, with the offices of Cockwaffle and Comstein. We know what you're going through. Dr. Lara Garcia joins us now. She's a, a clinical psychiatrist. And uh, right now, I think I, I need your services, uh, Dr. Lara, because, uh, you know, New Year's, it's the tradition to make your New Year's resolutions, and it's a tradition to not have them work. Uh, so I think your field might help us out as to understand why this doesn't uh, pan out for many of us. Yeah, it can certainly help with that. Um, first, when we think about our resolutions, we often think of outcomes that are, realistically speaking, two to four years into the future. So it may be discouraging if we don't see any immediate progress in the beginning of the year. Yeah. What we can do instead is break down our goals into smaller steps so that we can feel a sense of accomplishment earlier on. Second, we often just focus on our weight loss goals, and we don't focus on the behaviors that can lead us there. So our goal should be to form healthy habits. And you can start those habits that fit with your lifestyle and modify them over time until they become a natural part of your day. And then just make sure that those habits are something that you enjoy so that you can keep them sustainably. Um, lastly, we need people in our lives. We need communities that can help us stay accountable and keep going when we struggle. So a lot of people try to do it alone. And it's more effective when you have someone in your journey with you. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah, I've, I've heard that uh, when you set your goals too high, they're rarely met. But when you have small steps and small goals, it's like walking up the stairs a step at a time. And uh, yeah, what, what what's like, the is dieting, uh, losing weight, the number one uh, resolution? So for, for most people, it is because they, there is a mis misconception that you only need to have better, um, like better nutritional, well, uh, nutritional uh, principles and also mm -hmm. increase your movement. But in reality, our weight is determined by many factors outside of our control. So like even your sleep quality or the people around you or your stress management right. can impact your weight. So the people mostly focus on those two areas, nutrition and movement. Um, there's benefit in, in doing a comprehensive approach and, and tackling multiple things at a time to be most effective. Yeah. Does, does the substitution of your, uh, we'll call it bad habits, uh, do, you, do you need to substitute it for something else or is cold turkey still the best way to go? I think it depends. It, it really is a unique experience. Everyone reacts differently to behavior change. 
I think what's most important is to have an open mindset that when we do try things, if we fail, it doesn't mean that we are not in the right track. We are, mm-hmm. we actually are because we are becoming aware of what's working for us and what doesn't. So for me, when I try to quit cold turkey uh, on behaviors that I want to change, like perhaps drinking coffee, it's very overwhelming. So yeah. I do know that for me, it takes, it's about those small steps towards my goals rather than immediately trying to change my life. It's also not sustainable. So when I do stop mm. something cold turkey, I'm more likely to go on on it again because yeah. it's just not sustainable to do something that takes so much effort. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, everything, the, the, the goal is long-term. It's not just to stop for a couple of weeks. Or I know I know, in, there's something in January where people don't drink uh, alcoholic beverages for the whole month of January I guess because they overdid it <laughs> the month before or something. <laughs> but I mean, that doesn't go anywhere. That doesn't go anywhere just to quit for a month, right? I mean, that's like a weird goal. I mean, it does have its function, so it may help people. So if, if your goal is to gain awareness of how you can perhaps say no to alcohol or develop yeah. the skill to do not drink alcohol in social gatherings uh, when you have that sort of social pressure, then that works because during that one month, you're learning about what it's like to not drink alcohol. However, if your goal is to quit um, in the long term, it doesn't make sense to just uh, focus again, put so much effort into one month because to have something done sustainably, you need to make it easy, unenjoyable for yourself. Yeah, it's weird to quit for January and then you can't wait till February to come around when you can start drinking again. I mean, it's just kind of an odd kind of uh, thing. But you're right. You know, we're just, we're talking about it. We're discussing it. And I guess a, a lot of the problem is that we always feel like, you know, why can't I sustain this? This I mean, why can't I lose weight? It's always I. I mean, it's but it's it's we, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it takes a lot more than intention to change behavior. Yeah. In fact, I, I it, it's better to imagine that you're just a little puppy, you're trying to train. Do not expect that puppy to, mm. to talk himself or herself into doing something. So what's best really is to making the lifestyle changes, um, making those healthy choices as easy as possible. So whether that is um, incorporating small habits or things that are easy to do that mm. are that could be easily done mindlessly, um, and those are those are the best way to, to really be best ways to change behavior because you don't have to think about them. So reduce the amount of thinking that you have to to change your behavior. I think that's the best approach. Interesting. So so the small achievable goals uh, usually are are the path to uh, to understanding this and to getting somewhere. So instead of saying I, I gotta I gotta lose twenty pounds, I guess you should say. I'm going to lose a pound this week or I'm going to lose two pounds this week mm-hmm. and do it that way. And then, then it's achievable. Exactly. And like I said, it's also best if you don't focus so much on the pounds, but yeah. rather on the habits that will get you yeah. there. So like yeah. maybe this week I, I meant to do some sort of exercise or, or mm. physical activity twice this week. Um, yeah. Or I'm going to be, managing my stress better by incorporating this particular habit into my daily routine. Uh, so when you make those your goals and you plan towards developing those habits, you're indirectly targeting the weight loss, so you're getting that benefit. Uh, but on top of that, you're getting a lot of opportunities to 
to celebrate yourself. It's not about the end of the week. It's about that those two times that you exercise. You can celebrate those. Wow. Perfect. Well, uh, you've helped me understand this because uh, I think we all go through this uh, this slump of of like, oh, I, I can't fulfill what I decided to do, but it's not like that at all. So thank you so much for the time today. Where can I go for more information? Yeah, you can go to joinfound.com. Found is a platform that allows people to tackle their weight care, and they can take our health assessment to see if this platform might be right for them. Great. So go to joinfound.com. Perfect. Dr. Lara Garcia, thank you so much for your time today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Well, that'll do it for me today. You've been wonderful. I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you do a lot of things that you do. I really don't know how you do it. I uh, I had a little leak in my, uh, I have a guest bedroom in my house. Um, I guess that's wishful thinking. It's odd because uh, I, I have a guest bedroom, but yet I don't want anybody to stay over ever. So why have a guest bedroom? I don't know. It's a conundrum. It's one of those mysteries of life. I'll do everything to make sure nobody stays overnight, but yet I have a room for that purpose. <laughs> so there's a little leak in the ceiling. I had the leak fixed. You know, a little one of the shingles in my roof. Apparently, my roof has shingles, and fortunately, I don't have shingles. Shingles is something like mumps or measles or something like that. And uh, anyway, so uh, I had the so I had the roof fixed. Uh, so now I had like this yellow stain on my guest bedroom ceiling. Um, usually, that yellow stain is on the sheets in the guest bed, but this time it was on the ceiling. So I toyed for about two years with the possibility of me painting the ceiling and it's just white, you know, you know, ceilings are always white. Uh, or, uh, do I hire somebody to paint the ceiling? And I always thought, well, I'll hire somebody, but I could really do that myself. I can't paint the ceiling. What good am I? And then I realized I'm not any good anyway. So uh, finally, I hired this guy to paint the ceiling. It was a, he was a really nice guy, and I've used him for other chores around the house because I was so impressed, and that's the way uh, the economy should work. Why am I telling you this? No reason whatsoever, because it killed about two minutes, and that's what I'm here to do. That's my purpose. Ladies and gentlemen, have yourselves a wonderful, wonderful day. I'll be back again tomorrow with a brand new show, but until then, I wish you peace. Peace.